All across America and around the world, this is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. And now, your host for today's program, Dale Throneberry. And welcome to Veterans Radio. My name is Dale Throneberry, and I get to be the host today, CW2 Type Helicopter Pilot, 1969, Republic of Vietnam, the vacation spot of the Southeast Asia. So I want to welcome you to the program. We're going to be talking about a lot of things. This is our monthly benefits program. And so starting off today, we're going to be talking about uh, VA loans, mortgages, everything you ever wanted to know about a VA loan. We've got the experts on uh, our program today to talk about that. And then a little bit later on, we've got our uh, expert panel on VA benefits, the disability benefits. That's a retired Air Force general, Carol Ann Falson from Legal Health for Veterans, and Michael Smith, who is our veteran service officer here in Washtenaw County in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, but before we get to that, I wanted to, um, I wanted to thank an organization that I got a plaque last night, so I got to tell you about this. The Vietnam Veterans of America, the Charles S. Kettles Chapter 310 here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, has been supporting Veterans Radio since we began in 2003. And uh, last night at their Veterans Recognition Dinner, they gave us a plaque. And it's, uh, we were, uh, what do we say here? It's a big plaque. <laughs> ah, I need people to hold it up. No, it says that uh, they awarded us the John... Thompson Charter Member of the Year Award for Outstanding Dedication, Passion, and Commitment to the Core Values and Missions of Chapter 310. And I just wanted to let them know how much we appreciate the support that they have given us. They've given us hundreds of stories, obviously, over the last 18 years as well. And it was really nice to get that recognition. And, you know, it's got my name on the plaque, but it's for everybody that's been associated with Veterans Radio over the years. Um, from uh, Bob Gould to Ken Rogie and especially to Gary Lilly. Um, that was the name of the dinner last night. It was a Gary Lilly Memorial Recognition Dinner. And we couldn't have done it without all, all four of us, really, that put the program together that first November in uh, 2003. Uh, we've, we've moved along. and Things are going really well right now. But I wanted to make sure that they got the recognition that they deserve just as well. So the other thing is that we are, um, you know, before we get into the program, I want to make sure that we thank our sponsors. Again, without our sponsors, we can't do this program. And thank you all so very much for that. So we've got number one, we've got the um, Legal Help for Veterans, specializing in veterans' disability claims. Uh, for more information, if you have a disability claim, give them a call at 800-693-4800. That is 800-693-4800, or you can go to their website. That's LegalHelpForVeterans.com, and you can actually start your claim there. You can ask questions and everything else on their website. The National Veterans Business Development Council, better known as NVBDC, is the nation's leading third-party authority for certification of a veteran-owned business. For more information, you can go to their website. That's NVBDC.org, or give them a call at 888- 237-8433-888-237-8433. You want to do, if you have a small veteran-owned business and you want to do business with the federal government and many corporations, you need to be, you need to prove that you are actually a veteran-owned business. And this is what NVBDC does for you. 
Uh, the Charles S. Kettles VA Medical Center here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, for more information about them, we think it's one of the finest VA medical centers in the country. Uh, you can go to va.gov slash Ann Arbor Healthcare. Oh, I got to tell you this. Uh, I think it was last month we were talk- we were bragging on the Ann Arbor uh, VA Healthcare Center here. And uh, I got two emails, one from South Dakota that says, hey, we've got a pretty good hospital out here, too. And then another one that came out of Alabama. So let us know. Let us know what the great VA health centers are and let us know which ones are not so good. And um, we were talking about that last month because of the a lot of the restructuring, I guess you could say, that is going on uh, with the VA right now. And they're, they're looking at either expanding or contracting some of the um, VAs around the country. So we want you to uh, think about that. Um, I also want to make sure that we thank American Legion Post 46 out of Ann Arbor. That's Irwin Prescorn uh, Post. And then, of course, now the Vietnam Veterans of America, Charles S. Kettles, Chapter 310. Thank you guys for all the all that you do to help us stay on the, on the air. If you'd like to sponsor uh, Veterans Radio or you want to support us, uh, Veterans Radio is a production of Veterans Radio America, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And so your donation uh, should be tax deductible. Going right along with that. Yep. So let's see. What else have I got to let you know about? Oh, a couple of events coming up. Um, last night I learned about this one. So in the Ann Arbor area, so, uh, for those of you out in California, Minnesota, down in Detroit, you know, let us know if there are some events you would like us to uh, promote for you. We would be happy to do that. I know we've got a number of parades that are coming up and, uh, workshops too. I'm sure that maybe our guests today might have some workshop coming up. We can promote, but on flag day, uh, actually not flag day, the day before uh, June 12th. Uh, there's going to be a Flag Day celebration at the VFW here in Ann Arbor, Michigan on South Wagner Road. That's 3230, uh, running from 10 a.m. till dusk. And it's going to be, uh, so you got veterans, family fun, picnic-like atmosphere with games and adults, door prizes, and so much more. That's Sunday, June 12th. And we are going to be doing a, a live podcast or streaming podcast from that event on June the 12th. And if you have to say, say, if you have anything that you want us to mention, let us know. All right. So now let's get to our guest for today's program. And this is our newest supporter of Veterans Radio. It's the Veterans uh, Lending Council. And I've got with it right now, I've got their founders. I've got Michael Fisher and Eric uh, Ensley. And they've developed sort of a special forces team around the country that is focused on promoting providing realtors, brokers, and ultimately veterans with up-to-date knowledge of the wealth-preserving and building benefit of a VA home loan. So without further ado, let's introduce. So Mike, Mike Fisher, uh, go to you first. Welcome to Veterans Radio. Thank you for having us, Dale. We uh, appreciate the opportunity to educate, to empower, to give vets the tools that they need to get offers accepted in today's marketplace. And I'll learn how to use their home to build lifetime and generational wealth. It's just exciting to be able to share and, and to educate and teach as many as we can. Well, I think it is very exciting. And Eric Inslee is uh, Eric is um, also a, a lender and is also part, obviously, of the Veterans Lending Councils. Eric, welcome to Veterans Radio. Thanks for having us, Dale. Glad to be here. Thank you. After talking with uh, 
Eric, just before the program started, I found out he's a nine-year Army veteran, was in Iraq and Afghanistan, and he was an infantry guy. I was an airborne infantry guy. Let's airborne infantry guy. Let's not forget that. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, people think <laughs> helicopter pilots are crazy. These people jump out of perfectly good airplanes. And yeah. uh, so thank you very much for your service. So let's yeah, find yeah. out about this this Veterans Lending Council. What is it that you guys do? Which Who would like to go first? I'll take it. Okay. Uh, so, Dale, we created the Veteran Lending Council because we saw uh, something missing in the marketplace. And uh, we know that the VA tries really hard to put education pieces out there and, and tries to give vets as much info as they can about their b- benefits. But ultimately, the VA doesn't really have a marketing or education department, you know, when it comes to teaching veterans about the VA home loan benefit. Uh, what we see is that a lot of lenders in the marketplace uh, use the money that they get from from home loans to build their own websites and, and kind of build places for veterans to go. But ultimately, those resources lead only back to that one lender. They're not really built by the VA or they're not really uh, meant to give the veteran an informed choice. So um, we, we've seen a lot of veterans in the marketplace saying they've struggled with the lending process. They've struggled getting offers accepted. They've heard that the VA home loan isn't a good loan. And we found lenders who do such a great job with VA loans that really started to get just like, like Eric and I kind of pissed off about all the misinformation in the marketplace. And so we said, man, let's start out by accepting the problem. The problem is us, the lenders. We need to be better. We need to be better at getting these vets the info. We need to be better at teaching and training and, and even policing sometimes our own industry. Um, and so let's let's start there. Let's start by training lenders. Let's start by getting accurate information out there. And we'll, through multiple lender sources, build an army of educators that can teach all over the country and can get this message out on local shows, just like this show. So that's, that's kind of who we are. Um, Eric, did, did I miss anything there? Um, I would just take a higher level uh, look at it and, and just if you're not in the real estate market, um, maybe maybe you're not tracking where we're at on here. But what, what has happened with the VA loan? VA loan benefit is an awesome tool. And the VA, the VA loan itself is not difficult to originate. It's actually one of the most flexible loan programs that's available. And mathematically, when you compare the numbers, uh, against any other loan program, nine times out of 10, the VA is absolutely the right loan program for a veteran to use. But what has happened is there are, you know, there's really two types of lenders out there. There's those that are, that are uh, you know, very large companies that market really well, but they don't necessarily have the most informed loan originators in the front end that are, that are uh, writing these loans. And then when they, when they screw up a loan, because they didn't know the loan program well enough, they blame it on the VA. And, and the other the other type of lender out there is you know, a, a run-of-the-mill loan officer who might be a good loan officer, but because they just have a normal product makeup and veterans are only five or 6% of the population, depending on where you live, they might, they might write 100 loans in a, in a year and be really good, but they only did a handful of VA. So if they get one that's tricky, that is in the gray area, and they just, they aren't, they haven't, um, dove deeply into the guidelines on VA because they just never needed to take the time to do it, then they might screw that VA loan up because it didn't fit in the box that they thought it needed to. 
Uh, and then again, human nature is, well, it's a VA loan uh, and that's the problem. And it's really not. It's that the lender didn't know the VA loan. That's the problem. The problem wasn't the VA and it, and it rarely is. The VA loan is, like I said, it's so flexible. You just have to know how to use it. You need to work with a company that underwrites the way it's intended to be underwritten. I mean, it's the VA is not in the business of trying to not help you close on a loan. Um, they're trying to help veterans buy houses and they'll bend over backwards to do it. And the guidelines are written in such a way that you really can flex out of what, you know, things that you couldn't do in a conventional or an FHA or rural development loan, you can do on VA if the company will allow you to do it. But a lot of companies just don't know the VA loan program well enough. And because of that, veterans miss out on the opportunity to buy a house because they were working with the wrong lender because that lender wasn't, you know, wasn't properly informed basically. So we set out to train, you know, to, to just look, look the problem in the eye and say, it starts with us as lenders. Um, and we need to change the perception of VA because because basically what happens is, Dale, you or I going out to buy a house, we want to use our VA benefit. And right now in a competitive market, we have an uphill battle if we're trying to use our benefit because the misinformation has pushed over to the real estate side. And the real estate agents will, will often tell their sellers, we don't want to go with this VA. VA has problems. And they've got these misconceptions that aren't based in truth, um, but they're prevalent in the market. So we're doing what we can to, to educate lenders because it starts with us to do our job right. And to, you know, even if you don't get the opportunity to perform a loan for somebody, uh, it, you know, teach as many real estate agents as you can about what opportunities are there for you in, with the VA um, so that more veterans can use their benefit because there's just not, there's not a reason to be talked out of using the VA loan. And just going back to, to who I am and kind of how I got into this, um, I came home from Iraq. I, I've got a rating with the VA. You know, I'm an infantry guide and shot a lot of guns. And I've got some hearing loss. I've got I've got a rating for tinnitus. That gets me out of a funding fee. So if you if you don't have a funding fee on a VA loan, which if you have a service connected disability rating, 10 percent or more, you won't have a funding fee. There is no scenario where the VA loan isn't the best option for you. There's just not. And the first lender I talked to, um, they told me to save my benefit for my big boy house implying that you could only use it once, which is crazy. So they put me in a different loan program. I paid a funding fee I shouldn't have paid. I paid uh, mortgage insurance I shouldn't have paid. And, you know, looking back, like, I'm not, I'm not bitter. I'm just mad. Like, I so, um, uh, you know, to join on board with Mike and, uh, and to help build this team to where we can make sure that, that these lenders out there uh, are, are not letting that happen to another veteran like that. That's the ultimate goal is I don't want some kid coming back from Iraq who, you know, is starting out trying to get his life back together, transitioning out uh, or whatever the case may be. Um, I don't want them to get talked out of using their benefit and spend money that they could you know, put, put to better use otherwise because somebody told them not to use the benefit that they've rightfully earned. Right. Absolutely. And I should, I should ask our audience or tell our audience, you know, if you have a question on your VA loan, you can give us a call here today at uh, 734-822-1600. Uh, we've got two experts in the house that can talk about these things. Um, you know, as, as Eric was talking about there, and I, I can use my own self as an example, is that, you know, we went from a, a house where we had a VA loan on it and then we, 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 um, wanted to buy where we are right now and we had to use a conventional loan because the um, appraisal that's right the, the VA's appraisal on it 
is um, was lower than the VA, I guess, was willing to guarantee. And so we had to go with a conventional mortgage first before we were able to get the whole thing moved around and ended up with a, with a VA loan again. And so it's, um, you know, these are questions that, that most of us veterans and, you know, we don't know what to ask. And I think that that sounds like what you, you guys are up to with your, uh, uh, the veteran Le- uh, lending council. So, um, Michael, I'm going to come back to you. Is this program that you're setting up, is this sort of going to be a certification where people will go to your seminars and they get a little completion thing and they can, you know, put on their wall. It says, you know, I know about VA loans. Absolutely. We've got that in place already for the lending side. Um, we're working on the real estate side and a special shout out to the Ann Arbor Board of Realtors for having us come in and do some CE training for, for the entire Ann Arbor Board. Great move uh, in Washtenaw County. Uh, we had over 75 agents and some huge leaders in the Ann Arbor real estate market were part of that call recently. Uh, but we have already built out lender certifications. So, you know, if you're a loan officer yourself, you know, loan officer friends, Veteran Mortgage Advisor, VeteranMortgageAdvisor.com is something we launched uh, September last year. Uh, we've been building this course for almost five years now uh, through different different fronts and different initiatives. Um, so we've got a lot, a lot of loan officer friends, a lot of banks, a lot of folks are involved. Um, our initiative right now is a social community, Facebook community. Uh, we have Telegram chats. We have uh, calls. We don't necessarily have forward-facing podcasts and things like that. It's more behind the scenes. But we do also uh, have events. In fact, just this week, we spent three days in Atlanta uh, doing face-to-face training for over 70 loan officers. Um, so, so you know, to date, we've had close to 1,000 loan officers go through trainings we've done. Some of them were under a different brand. Our, our new brand, Veteran Mortgage Advisor, Launched in September, we're getting close to 350 loan officers that have gone through that certification, uh, that have watched the the close to 10 hours of videos uh, and taken dozens of tests to get to the point where, uh, yes, we feel comfortable sending them into the marketplace using the logos Veteran Mortgage Advisor. Um, so, so that was our first initiative as Veteran Lending Council was to build a solid product that we felt uh, could train the trainer, could, could put folks out there who we felt comfortable uh, coming on shows. Anybody who's a veteran mortgage advisor, they could do a show like this in their own market. They should hopefully be able to talk at the same level. So, so okay. yes, that's our mission. It's a worthwhile mission. I have a question from one of our disability experts here who's on the line with us. So, uh, Caroline Falcone, General Falcone, your question? Sure. Um, thank you to both of you for being here and what you're doing because um, working through the benefits, and sometimes, uh, and I like the way you described it, it's not the VA, you just don't understand the system. So I'm a simple veteran out there, so I wouldn't have to go through what Eric did and uh, go through all the hassles. Um, how simply could they, a veteran, reach out to either one of you to say, help me select the right person and make it simple for me so that I'm not trying to find somebody and then going down the wrong rabbit hole. Is, is there a process in place where somebody could reach out um, to either one of you or um, is there a place to go to that has the acceptable lenders that you recommend? 
I'll take that one, Cheryl. Okay. <laughs> That's a tricky one. And the reason it's tricky is because there's a lot of um, there, there's a lot of compliance questions that come to giving mortgage lending advice, certainly on a public forum like a radio show, um, with, with all kinds of disclosures that would go into that. And when folks start advertising themselves as a lending entity, uh, they, they need to be, you know, be very, very cautious about putting lending licenses and all those things uh, on the show over and over again. Um, you know, we certainly have lists of lenders. We know lots of lenders. You know, we come on the show as educators, uh, but, you know, certainly we work for companies as well. And, and we wouldn't want anyone to think that we didn't. And folks can message us through the Veteran Lending Council Facebook page right now. We're building a page out for this show specifically um, with a directory and with contacts that folks can get in a hold of. And that page will have all the, the required disclosures from the lending side that we would need to put before we can start putting things out there uh, publicly. Um, but we've, we've just kind of found our role in this, this world has been to educate. So we spent so much time teaching and educating that we realized, man, we probably need to get, make this message larger. And at some point we have to start talking directly to the veteran um, communities and not just the realtors and lenders. And that's, that's where we're at now. So that's a great question that you brought. And it's something that Eric and I are, are working on right now. Well, we want to do it in a way that is abundant minded. Um, we don't want to tell any veteran they have to use one lender or they have to use, you know, uh, uh, somebody in a particular state or a particular area. And I think that's one of the main challenges we see in the VA marketplace is that some of the uh, companies that we referenced earlier that put a lot of information out into the marketplace actually market in a way that doesn't clearly identify they're a lender and they almost make it look like they're an extension of the VA. Um, I'm not a fan of that. I know the VA is not a fan of that. In uh, in you know, generally when a lender is lending money, they're supposed to clearly identify that they are a lender um, and that they're, you know, they're giving information and they're giving benefits help, but they also have to let them know, Hey, I am a lender. I need to tell you I'm a lender. And, and you have informed choices. You're able to look at other lenders. You're able to talk to other people. No, we're not the only people that administer this benefit. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, you know, but I, I yes, it, it is. And, you, and I guess you're not there at the point right now where um, when Michael and I and Dale are doing the VBA, the benefit side, we look at the veteran's story and we try to break down the pieces. And then we know what benefits and the process that a veteran needs to go through, you know? And so that's what I was hoping that you'd be able to say, okay, you're in this area, you know, we would recommend you do step A, B, and C to come up to help you solve, you know, your problem. Because, um, you know, we try to simplify and help our veterans out there with with their issues. And, and especially after Eric described what he went through, you don't want another veteran to have to pay monies that you don't have to pay and uh, go through that process. So um, that's what I was trying to elicit. Yeah, we're, we're uh, in the, again, like like Michael alluded to, we're kind of, yes. we're starting to change where we've been so focused on, on just, uh, getting in front of the, the, lend, the lenders themselves to make sure, sure. that we, that, you know, we're starting with them and training, training them up so that they're, they're ready to go. And we've really been on this mission for uh, years at this point. We have, we have absolutely trained loan officers in every state. And if you, if you message and said, Hey, I'm, I've got a guy in Nebraska, I can tell you who he needs to call. 
but we we could also take those calls, you know, and do every day. Like I don't need to be a loan officer involved in the on the in in the transaction to help you know my fellow brother or sister with that with whatever that problem will be. I have sent I have sent many a guideline to a big box lender that you would have all heard of to say guys, you're missing something and you need to close this loan, give this to your underwriter. Like that's just, that's who we are. And we are absolutely willing to do that. So reaching out to the, you know, anyone in the Veterans Lending Council, any uh, anybody that's affiliated with Veteran Mortgage Advisor or certainly has gone through Veteran Mortgage Advisors, um, we would be able to, you know, if we, can't, if we can't specifically in that area help, we will know somebody who can. Uh, but we're working on putting together that actual database that would be a 10 second answer to your question instead of a five minute answer. But we were a little, we were a little um, busy with the event we just got back from yesterday. So, so this was just, no, we, we can, all, we haven't caught our breath yet. Let's just say we, can all, we can all relate to that. So it, yes. it sounds as though if, if somebody in Nebraska did want to find out, you know, something about a particular lender or a recommended lender, they can go to your Facebook uh, page and message you. Absolutely. At the idea. Absolutely. Yeah. And that would be that. What what again is your Facebook page? Uh, it's Veteran Lending Council. It's a forward facing facing page. Yeah, they can okay. find it under absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and and you know, just for clarity's sake, step one that veteran would want to make sure they had a copy of their certificate of eligibility. They can try to get it themselves on eBenefits. Uh, a good a quality lender can help them get it in many cases, automatically with within minutes uh, or certainly within a day. Uh, with some basic information, possibly a copy of DD-214 or reservist paperwork. And from that point, they need to talk to that lender uh, about where they're at as far as qualifying income, credit, the kind of things that a bank would normally need to, or lender would normally need to know. Um, so, so yeah, first step is making sure that they are eligible uh, with that certificate of eligibility. And the second step is going through the credit criteria. Um, so absolutely I would recommend that they start out finding a quality lender and having that conversation about where they're at financially. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, a couple of things that I, I wanted to ask about is number number one, and we mentioned this earlier on, the VA is not a bank. So the VA is only guarantees your loan when you get the loan from a, a lending institution. Is that correct, Eric? That is correct. Um, yeah, the, the VA... The benefit that we've earned as veterans is that the VA will guarantee 25% of our loan, which from a lending perspective, a guarantee is a big deal. There's other, there's other loan products like conventional that have private mortgage insurance where they're paying a third party to insure the loan. And what I, what I tell my clients is that, you know, you're not paying, you're not paying for insurance for you. It's insurance for me. You're paying this private mortgage company so that if you default and the market fell apart and the bank takes your house and they sell it for a loss, that third party comes in and cuts you a check. That's that. That's what mortgage insurance is. Well, the, the VA loan doesn't have insurance. It has a guarantee. And the VA said 25%. We will, we will pay that lender up to 25% of that original loan amount in the event that there's a foreclosure and a loss. So from a from an investor standpoint of the, the uh, in the lending world for what loans look really good, it's the one that has the promise of the U.S. government that they're not going to lose money. Investors want to write VA loans. It's a great product because it's guaranteed by the federal government, which is the benefit that we've earned. Uh, but it is the banks that are lending the money. And that's good and bad. Um, you know, one thing that comes up a lot because of, uh, you know, just 
because it's VA, there's misconceptions with, like, let's say, timing. People think in, in the market out there that VA loans are going to take longer. Well, why? Why would they take longer? Well, it's the federal government. Well, no, it's not. It's a private bank writing that loan. It's not going to the VA, but there are some loan programs that do go to third parties. Like we're in the state of Michigan. There's a MISHTA program, which means that, or with with MISHTA or let's say rural development, which is a nationwide program through the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Those are, those are third parties that um, actually have to underwrite the loan. So a lender will, will get all the documentations and submit it to their own, their own underwriting team. And once that company has approved it, they'll send it out. So in, in my examples, they'll send it to MISHTA or they'll send it to rural development for a second underwriter to approve it. The VA is not like that. 99% of lenders out there that write VA loans have direct underwriting authority, which means the VA has given the stamp of approval to the lender and said, we trust you to make good sound decision and we will back you. Now they audit things like they're, you know, they review files after they close, but in terms of should it be, should it take longer because it's VA? No, absolutely not. Like if I have a conventional loan, and a a VA loan that came in on the same day, I had the exact same process. I'm gathering all the documentation. They're signing their mortgage application. I'm gathering all the documentation, submitting it over to underwriting while we have an appraisal ordered. And, you know, we get the appraisal back, we get conditions, we resubmit after I go back to my client and say, hey, I missed a bank statement. That's on, you know, sorry about that. That's on me. We resubmit for final approval. Like, there shouldn't be a difference in the timing. It's the exact same process, regardless of whether it's conventional or VA. So one of those big myths out there that we hear is that it's VA and I don't want to, you know, we can't accept that offer because we want to close in 30 days. There's absolutely no reason you shouldn't be closing in 30 days on a VA loan, but it's the lender. It's 100% who you are working with and their proficiency at the product. No different than it is for any other loan program. Some lenders can do a conventional loan really fast and some can't but it shouldn't be different on VA than it is on conventional. Just, um, you know, but that's, that's something people think. Cause I think they, they hear VA and they think third party or they think federal government. And let's be honest, we were in the military. The federal government isn't the most efficient uh, thing in the world. So I get, I get why you would think that if you didn't know any better, but that's what we're out here to do is just let people know, like, you know, it's a VA loan. It doesn't go to the VA. We're not waiting on the VA. Uh, it's it's entirely up to the company that's writing that loan. Um, the other thing that that does too, um, kind of in the same vein, because it's the lender that's lending the money, they can make their own rules. So the VA has their minimum guidelines, uh, but but different lenders, because they're lending their own money and they need to be comfortable with the risk that they're taking on, they can apply what's called an overlay. So again, why it's important for a veteran to understand that they're working with somebody who is good at, at VA specifically um, is these overlays can make or break a deal. Um, and I don't have an issue with a lender having an overlay, but I'll give you an example. So um, two, I'll give you two examples. Credit score is one thing we look at, right? The VA doesn't have a minimum credit score. They just don't. You'll, you can look through their guidelines and you'll never find anything saying we need to have a credit score of, 580 or 620 or 640. But every lender in the country that you call is going to, they're going to have a minimum credit score. And I'm totally comfortable with that. That's good. Um, But the problem that I have is if you call one lender and they say, oh, I see you don't have a 640 credit score. So I'm going to deny your VA loan. You don't qualify. Well, that's not true. You just don't qualify with them. 
right? So my issue isn't that companies have overlays. Um, my issue with that is that we don't, we often in the lending world, uh, and maybe every loan officer just isn't actually aware that that's how, how that works. And they think that that is the VA guideline when it's really their company's guideline, but it does a disservice to the veteran because the veteran thinks, and I'm sure you see a Dale in forums and stuff when you see a question and it's, you know, the answer, somebody puts a question in about a, a loan or benefit or whatever, and how many wrong answers do you see? If you really know what you're talking about on any given topic in these forums, you'll see other veterans answering incorrectly and just spreading, spreading the misinformation. But it started with the lender, right? The lender didn't educate them to start with. So that's just one, one example of, uh, you know, why it does make a difference for, for the veteran that they're really looking at the right, um, you know, that they're looking at the right company, not just the loan officer, but the company themselves, because the company can have um, policies that, you know, maybe aren't, maybe they're not the right fit for that company. And and there's nothing wrong with that. But if they just are told no and lose hope when really they should have been told, I can't do this, but, you know, somebody down the street can, um, which is often the case, um, you know, that's, that's what we want to be a part of is, is making sure that we're taking care of, you know, we're taking care of the veteran, even if, you know, if it's me doing a deal, that's great. But if I can't do it and I know somebody else who can, I want to make sure that veteran gets to who can help them. Um right. Right. But it's often it's often missed. I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, we, this is a a, dis, a discussion that we can you know we can go on for quite a while with. And I'm going to invite um, Mike and, the, and uh, Eric back again at some time in the future to talk more about this because there are some other questions that we had. Uh, uh, the one question that I had that we we addressed earlier on was the um, VA doesn't uh, necessarily set the limit on how much your loan can be. The lender can. So that changed. That I think it was twenty twenty or nineteen, something like that. That I saw when the, the Blue Navy, uh, the Blue Water, uh, Blue Water Act. That, yeah. that one, yeah, that's the one. Um, but so, hold on to your questions, or or contact the Veterans uh, Veteran Lending Council on Facebook with your question, and they'll, I'm sure they will get right back to you. And we'll find out more and more about their program. And maybe they're, you know, once you set up some of your events, we can help publicize those and get those realtors and lenders out there and get them together so that everybody's on the same page. I think it's a great idea that you've come up with, and I'm anxious to hear more about it. And I want to thank both of you very much for being on Veterans Radio today. And uh, like I said, we'll have you on again. All right. Thanks for having us, Dale. We truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. We're going to take a quick break right now. And when we come back, it's disability time with the experts. We've got uh, Caroline Falcone, Legal Help for Veterans, Michael Smith from the Washtenaw County Veterans Service Office as well. You're listening to Veterans Radio. We will be right back. The Medal of Honor is the highest award for valor in combat given a member of the Armed Forces of the United States. There have been over 3,400 recipients of the nation's highest award. This is one of them. Second Lieutenant Darwin Kyle charged an enemy emplacement single-handedly, killing the three enemy soldiers. Details after this. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. When his platoon had been pinned down by intense fire, Kyle completely exposed himself to move among and encourage his men to continue the advance against North Korean forces strongly entrenched 
on Hill 185. Inspired by his courageous leadership, the platoon resumed the advance, but was again pinned down when an enemy machine gun opened fire, wounding six of the men. Kyle immediately charged the hostile emplacement alone, engaged the crew in hand-to-hand combat, killing all three. Continuing on toward the objective, his platoon suddenly received an intense automatic weapons fire from a well-concealed hostile position on its right flank. Again leading his men in a daring bayonet charge against this position, firing his carbine and throwing grenades, Kyle personally destroyed four of the enemy before he was killed by a burst from an enemy submachine gun. The Medal of Honor series is a production of Veterans Radio. Military veterans touch everyone's life. I'm guessing right now you're thinking of a veteran, a close friend, relative, maybe it's you. Even the toughest of us sometimes need help, but don't know where to turn for support. You don't need special training to help a veteran in your life. We can all help someone going through a difficult time. Learn how you can be there for veterans. Visit VeteransCrisisLine.net. VeteransCrisisLine.net. A message from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. And we're back here on Veterans Radio, the second part of our program, where we're going to be talking about disability benefits and other benefits that are available to you as a veteran. And joining me right now are retired Brigadier General Carol Ann Falsone from Legal Help for Veterans and Michael Smith from the Washtenaw County Veteran Service Officer, the Executive Director, big guy from, from that organization. And I want to welcome them both back to the program. So, Carol Ann, welcome back. Um, thanks, Dale. And uh, I understand Michael had, uh, I love that training, the county counselor. So he's coming back even really, really smarter than he usually is. <laughs> That's right. Michael, welcome back. Thank you, Dale. Uh, thank you, General Fasson. It's good to be back. Yes, uh, about 130 or so of our county veteran service officers from around the state of Michigan were in Kalamazoo for the first time in person in two years uh, for our um, uh, annual spring conference to get our 16 continuing education units that are required by the VA's Office of General Counsel for us to maintain our accreditations with them. And um, we had about 19 hours of of training scheduled. Uh, I taught two classes. Uh, Christina Darrell taught our classes on appeals. And uh, we had a really good agenda and some really good presenters, a lot of good information. A lot of good information. So uh, for our listeners out there, if you have any disability questions, you can give us a call at 734-822-1600. So, Michael, what did you learn that that is uh, helpful for all of us? Dale, Dale, I had 19 hours of instruction. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't want to go through 19 hours. <laughs> 19 hours of instruction. I, I learned quite a bit, Dale. Uh, what specifically would you like to know about? Uh, Appeals. Um, what were the highlights? Compensation, secondary disability compensation, which is the class I taught. Uh, what is, what is, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is, he's on a roll. I can't special monthly compensation, <laughs> military Michael, sexual tell, trauma tell cases, me, and tell me about health, this. women veterans health issues. Which which topic would you like me to touch on? You secondary know what, uh, Michael, I think you just mentioned two significant ones that are coming up over and over that I'm, I'm seeing um, is the special monthly compensation and then um, also the secondary disabilities, the second 
Um, and, and I don't think our veterans sometimes think about those secondary diagnoses that are occurring. Um, you know, a good one that pops up if Vietnam veteran, um, with diabetes and then the neuropathy and sometimes the GERDs and some of those that resonate and, um, the veteran just thinks, um, you know, he could live with those, but those are, I, I don't want to say opportunities, but they need to talk to the experts, uh, a veteran service counselor, um, a VSO, or come back to the individual that's helped them because those secondaries could get them increased ratings, um, which I think are very important sometimes to get them up to different levels of, of compensation. Yeah, most people are familiar with the, there are five different ways to establish service connection for veterans in order for them to receive disability compensation. Um, one is direct, which is the disability had its first occurrence in military service, was diagnosed in service and remained a chronic disability after service. Um, you can also establish service connection based on aggravation which is you had a pre-existing condition when you went into the military and military service aggravated it beyond its normal progression. And it then remains a chronic disability post-service. And then there's presumption. And this is where the VA and, and, and the military, or excuse me, the Department of Defense have come together and realized that the military personnel have been exposed to certain type of environmental or otherwise uh, 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 hazards from other sources, such as chemicals. Um, so you have um, service connection that's based on presumption, just like presumptive conditions, related, medical conditions related to being a former prisoner of war, presumptive conditions related to being exposed to herbicide agents like Agent Orange, presumptive medical conditions related to uh, um, being exposed to ionizing radiation and atomic energy. And then there's presumptive conditions related to being in tropical environments and in the Persian Gulf and contaminated water at Camp Lejeune. So um, those are presumed <clears throat> to be related to military service because the research has already been done to show that those exposures can bring about those disabilities. So the veteran doesn't have the ver burden to, or the survivor doesn't have the burden of proof in those presumptions. Now then another one that's not as well known, it's called uh, 1151. Uh, that's the section of the law, Title 38 U.S. Code, where these claims are found and described. And that's where someone submits to care at the VA, at a VA facility and under VA care due to negligence or some other things, they injure the veteran and um, create another new disability. The VA will establish that as service connected and pay it just as if it happened in service. Now, once you've established service connection based on any of those other four um Bases. If, if people develop secondary medical conditions as a normal result of me certain medical conditions not being known to be related to each other, like diet, like great examples, diabetes and they, it's diabetic complications with retinopathy in the eyes, diabetic nephropathy when it affects the kidneys, diabetic uh, peripheral neuropathy where it affects uh, the nerves on the upper and lower extremities, peripheral vascular disease. Um, but What's not as well, okay, and the VA, or excuse me, if a person develops secondary conditions based on treatment of a service-connected condition, 
that medical condition, if it remains a chronic condition, can also be established or the VA is required to establish it as a secondary service-connected condition. Now, a lot of conditions are not known. People wouldn't think that there's a relationship between certain things, such as a veteran I took care of was service-connected for sarcoidosis, which is a lung condition. For many years in the military and after the military, she was treated with non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs. And they literally ate a hole in her stomach and she developed stomach ulcers. So I established um, service connection for her stomach ulcers secondary to her sarcoidosis. And people would think, what in the world does the lungs have to do with the stomach? Well, if the treatment of the lungs causes a problem with the stomach or anywhere else in the body and it remains a chronic condition, the VA will establish it as a secondary condition. Here's one that most people don't know. Uh, chemotherapy can lead to dementia and hearing loss. And I have veterans who were treated for their service-connected lung con- or service-connected um, cancers. They were treated with chemotherapy and actually developed dementia and, or hearing loss or both. And so we established service connection secondary to their lung cancer or whatever cancer for those conditions. Um, Here's one that I think is really significant, and I I, I think it's a a great opportunity to bring this up. I was doing research uh, to establish service connection for a veteran that I um, am working with who has a 70% rating for post-traumatic stress disorder. I've been successful in the past to get heart conditions service-connected secondary to PTSD because of studies that go back to the early 2000s showing that PTSD can lead to coronary vascular disease as well as other heart conditions. And those studies were replicated over the years, including the VA's 20-year normative aging study that also concluded that PTSD can lead to um, coronary vascular disease and other heart conditions. What's new is a study that came out, or it just came out in 2018. The sample was huge. It's 1.1 million people, not just any people. They were all veterans, and they were all veterans with PTSD. When they entered the study in 2004, none of them had atrial fibrillation or atrial flutter or any heart problem. 13 years later, in 2017, 78% of them had atrial flutter and atrial fibrillation, AFib. They're ages 26 to 42. Very, very, very young to have AFib. And so the conclusion of the study was, well, we know that PTSD leads to AFib, and we need to figure out what to do to mitigate the symptomatology so it doesn't lead to AFib in these young veterans. So now... I'm, and I've written letters to doctors already and attached that study with the PTSD research quarterly from the VA that shows all the other studies going back 20 years and sent those letters and those copies of those studies to doctors saying, hey, doc, my vet's uh, had PTSD since Vietnam. He, she's got AFib now. What you think? You think that heart fluttering for 40 years may have contributed that? Uh, to the development of that disability and I'm getting these opinion statements so that I can submit a claim to establish service connection for their AFib secondary to their PTSD. Oh, and Michael, that is, 
an outstanding example that um, with that research, because then there's a next step. If the atrial fib isn't treated, as we all know, one of the major complications is potentially a stroke um, and other implications down the line. And for a lot of individuals right now that that's not being controlled, when you see um, you know, a 50, a 60 year old now out there with a stroke, um, and blood disorders, bleeding times, um, it's a huge issue. So, um, you've got to keep us posted on that because I, I really do think that your research is, is going to be spectacular. So thanks for doing that and bringing that up. Wow. I was sitting there going, oh my God. <laughs> Everything okay? <laughs> Again, this show always upsets me. <laughs> oh, I've got that. Oh, I do I have that? I don't know if I do or not. Um, luckily, most of them I don't. Um, so that was one of the things. What was the other one that you were talking about? That that the other class that you taught, or was it uh, another? Well, I taught a class on um, representation through our National Association of County Veteran Service Officers, as opposed to selecting other organizations to represent claims. Um, some of the valid reasons for that kind of symbiotic relationship going back to the 1950s uh, doesn't work in 2022. When we're in an electronic and cyber environment, we can better represent our claimants directly to the VA. And that's just, that's a different topic. Um, but we had some other classes on military sexual trauma, which was really, really good um, because we had it from both perspectives. We had it from the side, uh, the, the rating side of the house where what they look for when they're looking at military sexual trauma cases, um, because as you know, most of those are unreported. So the VA has to rely on, and, and the law requires them to rely on other markers, like looking in the record to see, um, did they go to sick call, report, you know, some kind of trauma, or uh, were, did, was there a rape kit, um, or was there a, a, a dip in their performance in their personnel records where they began to show up late and just their, their performance uh, was poor, um, their attitudes were poor, or they requested transfers to another unit or transfers to another base. So if any, or they got into trouble and got Article 15s or a captain's mast or some kind of non-judicial punishment or judicial punishment, uh, art, um, like a uh, court martial. So if those things happen, those are the markers that the VA typically will say, ah, these are indicators that something happened. And they will accept those as the basis that a military sexual trauma happened. And if they have a diagnosis of a mental health disorder, the most common being post-traumatic stress disorder or major depression or anxiety, and a physician says in his or her opinion that it's related to that military sexual trauma, then that will be established as a service-related disability. And that person could get paid. And and and, and a lot of people don't know how to work those claims and and, and be successful, so we try to bring that topic to our conferences every year. And then on the other side, we had the uh, uh, Dr. Sexton from the, uh, the Lieutenant Colonel Charles S. Kettle's VA Medical Center. Uh, she presented on uh, women veterans health issues and she is just the most amazing. She, she is just num number one, an amazing clinician. She was my doctor. <laughs> um, way back when. But since then, I've had her professionally at our conferences to teach military sexual trauma, um, women veterans health issues and others. And she is phenomenal. And, and she's doing research also in collaboration with the University of Michigan, 
specifically on women veterans health issues and collecting lots and lots of data to um, help drive policy decisions for the VA to change how they're treating our women veterans in the hospital systems and then how they're treating them in, in, in terms of uh, processing their claims. So a lot of good development there for our women veterans. I think it, it, it sounds like you learned a lot. <laughs> and in addition to teaching everything, I, I'm sure there must be updates, as you, as you mentioned, on disability um, payouts and, uh, you know, ratings and so forth. Yes. Uh, we've talked about some of the changeovers that's getting ready to happen at the VA. Uh, Cheryl Mason, who's the chair of the Board of Veteran Appeals, is going to retire. Um, president Biden actually, or the president actually selects and appoints the posi- that person to that position. It's one of the appointed positions in the VA. Uh, he has a selection, so um, we're waiting to uh, hear. And, mm-hmm. um, but yes, there's a lot of updates about compensation. Uh, we didn't have any discussions about the proposed uh, changes mm-hmm. and the, um, for those systems and some of the rating that we talked about in uh, some shows earlier. Uh, the VA didn't even touch on that. Our VA representative out of the regional office in Detroit, the director, Susan, was there. She joined us and gave us an update on the VA National. and um, Their Washington, D.C. Um, p- personal identification verification card people came, and I got my new, or I'm, I'll be getting my new, um, what's called a USA card. It will be good for us for five years, and it looks almost just like the military's CAT card. And that's the card that we use to access VA computing systems so that we can advocate and represent our, our veterans. Um, no updates to uh, any processing. Um, the VA is looking at hiring a, a, a lot of people in the upcoming uh, year to um, take on some of the influx of claims that they're going to be anticipating for some of these new law changes, even like with the burn pits and things. So uh, they'll be hiring to try to meet the demand for their services. Well, it sounds like we have a lot of information to, to give out to our audiences next month. Yes. And, uh, you know, find out everything that, that has been learned along the way. And I, I just, you know, Dale, what I can do is I can go back through a lot of our PowerPoints or I can send you our agenda and okay. you can look at our agenda and say, Hey, Michael, this might be a good topic to talk about. And then I could pull up that PowerPoint and share some of the insights from those uh, presentations that we got from VA employees that were either there presently or we got, uh, they did them virtually, but we got all the power. I, I, awesome. Great. That is great. And I think the idea, you have a lot of potential guests there, I think, uh, <laughs> on our program. And that's, that's really what I, I really want to tap into that because I want to make sure that our audience gets the best information that's available at all times. Uh, we've got two minutes to go, Carol Ann. So I'm going to ask you to, to, uh, any comments that you have or concerns? Well, I, I guess um, maybe for next month um, and maybe Michael's um, at the county counselor's um, education program. And hopefully next year I could go over in the fall to get some of my. We'll, uh, we'll be in Bay City in the fall if you want to join us. Oh, excellent. Um, but I've been noticing we've been having um, 
um, multiple uh, veterans and their families call us because of the denials that they're receiving on the family caregivers program mm-hmm. and that eligibility. I don't know if you guys talked about it at all, but I'd like to address it next month because there is specific criteria. Yes. And um, once I walk through it with them, they'll say, oh, I don't meet that or I didn't meet because there's two distinct time frames, and you have to be living with the veteran. And so there's a slew of different eligibility components, but it's still hard when when they've been denied two and three times, um, you know, when they reach out. And now that we have a comprehensive uh, explanation of the caregivers, and that comes out of the VHA side, the healthcare side. It's not our benefit side. That's so I'd correct. like to talk about that next month, Dale. Okay. Thank you both very much. I uh, hope you enjoyed the program, folks. If you have any comments, please go to our website, click on contact us. If you have any questions for our program next month, please let us know. We would love to address your questions directly. I want to thank Caroline Falson from Legal Help for Veterans, Michael Smith from Washtenaw County uh, Veteran Service Office. And I also want to thank the guys that were on earlier from the uh, Veteran Lending Council. So we got to go. So until next month, this is Dale Thronberry for Veterans Radio. You are dismissed.